This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. In this episode of the podcast, I speak with one of the co-founders of Nesto. They are a new breed of mortgage broker. He grew up in an entrepreneurial family, and he shares with us the lessons he's learned growing up in a family business. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, this is Chase Belair from Nesto.ca, Canada's first digital mortgage broker, and I'm very happy to be here with the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Chase. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Happy to be here. Can you tell our listeners a bit about who you are and the, and the company that you're with? Uh, yeah. So I'm Chase Belair. I'm born and raised in Ottawa my whole life. Uh, Family is in mortgages. I got into mortgages very young. And then uh, midway through school, I saw all the dollar signs coming through from mortgages. So I decided to put school on pause for a bit and uh, focus on that. And then um, fell in love with the tech side of it and uh, never ended up going back to school because of the success we were having. Um, And then uh, met up with a really interesting team of co-founders to uh, co-found Canada's first digital mortgage broker um, uh, based out of Montreal. So last May, I resigned from the family business, pulled mom out of retirement. She told me she'd give me five years and uh, moved to Montreal and uh, started Nesto. So we got together last May. We went live in September. And uh, so far, so good. All, wow. all green lights. Fun roller coaster. Nice. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, it, uh, why Nesto? Is there, does that stand for anything in particular or is it just a name that you happen to like? That's a good question. Um, the name was mostly chosen before I got there. Okay. You know, there's there's an incubator development area of the, the business before the co-founders were brought in. Um, but I think it has a lot to do with it's your nest egg. Uh, your home is your nest, you fall Love back it. on it, all that kind of stuff. And then O was the catchy part. Mm. Um, it took me about four weeks to like the name, but now I, I believe in the name. I really like it. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? You mentioned the family business. Was it? Was, is that your background? Yeah. Um, my father, government from 18 till retired, back to the government, still in the government. Uh, my mother was, um, she had an interesting turn. She was a hairdresser and then a teller at a bank and then a mortgage broker as of 1981 before they really existed. Mm. So she grew her business naturally and then uh, decided to open a brokerage. Uh, so we had brokerage in the Glebe that I worked at part-time when I was in school. And so I would definitely call her an entrepreneur as well as an inspiration as well. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, second generation entrepreneurs like that, they've, they've seen firsthand what it's like in terms of the hours that you put in, the, the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly, let's be honest. Um, yeah. Was, was there anything uh, that you saw that made you kind of, did it, was there a moment where you said, you know what, I, I want to become an entrepreneur myself? Ooh, that's a really good question. You know what, I think it, it was in school. When I was in school, hmm. um, when I learned what the word meant, I always knew the, what the idea was and what that person was like and had a, the characteristics. But then when I learned there's actually a term for these type of people, um, when the, the gear started spinning in my head, I had a whole bunch of ideas. And then once I realized that there's a field to generate these ideas into businesses, uh, whether it's through a school program or mentorship, that kind of stuff is when uh, I realized that whether it was a family business or not, I wanted to control my destiny. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It, what, what advice would you give to someone listening that, that is um, maybe a, young, a younger person that's considering making that switch to controlling their own destiny? Um, advice? I would say the hardest part of the whole thing is taking that leap of faith. Um, mm-hmm. 
And my suggestion would be to, if you believe in it, if you truly believe in it and you've got enough external resources to tell you there's a chance there and take the leap of faith. Yeah. You know, some people don't have the, the luxury of having support and, and that, that leap is much more difficult for them, of course. So mm-hmm. I was very fortunate. My parents always gave me a lot of opportunity to good care of me and make sure that I was on the right track. So yeah. I, I had that luxury, uh, which made my decision a little bit easier, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be here and I would be full of regret if I didn't take that leap of faith. Good for you. And, and, and just so our listeners are clear, when you say support, you mean support in many different ways, right? Not just financial support, is that yeah, correct? No, yeah, not just financial at all, but I mean support as in you, know, you take the leap of faith, the next thing you know you can't pay your bills. Do you have someone who you can live with while you're getting back on your feet? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the easiest example I could think of, yeah, but, yeah. as well as emotional support too. It, when, when you're on your own or when you're starting to be on your own or when you're trying something new, um, it truly is a roller coaster of emotions. You know, there's many highs and there's many lows, and yeah. sometimes the lows you get stuck in them. So you yeah. need you need a lot of support. Do you find do you find it's a it's a challenge for most entrepreneurs to kind of be even keeled? First of all, do you, do you personally find it a challenge to, to you know to ride out those waves? And because you because you are right, there's lots of highs and there's lots of lows and. And in my opinion, advice I give to entrepreneurs, and sometimes I don't follow it myself for sure, is don't get too high, don't get too low. Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> difficult. You know, when, when you're in a low, um, there's a few things that come in your mind. It's okay, if I just quit now, what happens? <laughs> uh, and you don't want to think about that. Uh, and then, well, if you do think about that, you hope that the what happens pushes you right back up. Um, but no, you, you keep kicking, and as long as you like, I support. So me, I'm fortunate enough to my my, my team, my co-founders, my, my my staff, and my my co-workers, um, we're all so gung ho about the same vision mm. that the lows, thankfully, don't last too long. And a, a low could be anything from someone, you know, moving on to a new a new opportunity that that was a big piece of your team, or it could be a regulator coming in and saying, "Hey, we don't like the way this is happening anymore." Um, so there goes that idea we had, and that's that's a low too. Yeah. So. It's easy to get stuck in them, but uh, it, the best way out is the people around you and keeping in mind what the vision's supposed to be. You know, time goes by so quickly. Yeah, it really does. That's really good advice, Chase, to always go back to the vision because I find that it's that dream that keeps you going. So by making sure that you know when you're when you're a little bit down, that to always look back and go, okay, wait a second, what was the original intent here? I'm just having a bad day. Let's think big picture. Let's <clears throat> try to focus on that. And what can I do today just to get out of that? Yeah. Sure. Um, to tell me more about Nesto. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, you had the word digital there. So what, what makes Nesto different than a than an average uh, uh, mortgage brokerage uh, house? I'll try and answer as simply as sure. possible because there's many different intricacies okay. there. But basically. Um, Normally, when you need a mortgage, you go to a bank and you go to a broker and you find out, you know, which one was more honest about what the best deal is, and then you maybe go to a third broker or a third bank. Um, and that whole process to make sure you're confident in your mortgage decision generally means you have to take time off work, um, do a lot of homework, do a lot of research, and the opportunity that we saw was the lack of transparency in the mortgage marketplace. They're more or less um, way more good bank staff and mortgage professionals than there are bad ones, so to speak. Um, but the vision we saw was what if we empowered someone to do almost all the heavy lifting themselves in a short period and simple time frame online and rewarding them for doing it themselves by giving them the lowest rate a lender would let us give. So okay. when you do a mortgage, there's commission involved. So what we do at Nesto is we reduce our commission and we give it back to the lender in the form of a lower rate. And every mortgage broker can do that 
but you've got to ask them or negotiate or convince them to do that. Mm. So there's no way to negotiate with Nesto. You get the best right away. Um, and the, the, the trade-off is you don't get to see someone face-to-face to see if you like them first. You, you're empowered to do it online yourself. You see the products. You see what's good and bad about them. You choose. Then you speak to an advisor to validate your decision. Um, and there's no cost or obligation or anything associated with it. The idea is to be the most transparent entity in the mortgage marketplace. So, Chase, is the whole thing done online? Like, is there ever an opportunity to, to speak to someone? Or is there a live chat function? Or, or take me through that a little bit. Yeah, so the, there's live chat throughout the entire application process. We have customer success specialists that are, are live all day. Um, so if you get stuck somewhere, if you want more information on a question, you ask them. Once you've actually made it to, completed the application, you've made it to the product selection phase, um, you do have to speak with an advisor. We need to confirm for our own peace of mind and for your peace of mind that the product you've selected is suitable for you. you know, everyone wants the lowest rate, but a lot of times the lowest rate comes with certain restrictions that will seriously hinder your, 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 your future opportunities if, if something were to happen or if you didn't know about them. So the validation of the product selection is the most important part there. So we can't see, well, we do see the vision is ultimately we give enough information in a simple, easy to understand manner that you don't need to, but we always want to have someone holding their hand at that, at that stage. Yeah. Is there anyone else? Like, is this unique to 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 the Canadian marketplace currently? Uh, yes, this it's, concept? it's very unique. There's probably four entities in Canada who consistently offer the lowest rate off the bat without being uh, being asked to offer the lowest rate. Okay. So when I say four, I mean four major ones that most people in the mortgage industry would know about. I'm sure there's other smaller ones too. Um, but what doesn't exist yet is the ability to go end to end online and speak to someone only at one step of the way. Um, that's, that's what's unique about us. And then there's a lot of, um, there's a bit of a technological revolution happening in finance right now. Okay. There's so many tools, AI, uh, new software is coming out that are making professionals' lives easier and clients' lives easier. And then as well as the processes being more transparent. Um, and so we, we want to lead that, lead that charge. Uh, we think our vision is a sound vision that Canadians deserve. And we think that people will follow in our footsteps if we do it properly. Is there, uh, Chase, is there, is there a, an age range that you're targeting specifically? And, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking about after you answer the question, but I assume this is like a 40 and under that is your ideal target. Does that sound about right? So for all the focus groups we did leading up to the launch and all that kind of stuff, we thought millennials were the only people who were going to yeah. check us out there. <laughs> uh, and I believed in that myself. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is it's, it's a wide range. We, we speak to people who are 18 all the way to 65, a few hmm. older than 65 as well, but that's a much smaller uh, volume, but um, no, I was very surprised to see how many people are, yeah, are willing to do this me online. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I wonder why that. I mean, I guess you know, there's so many options. Everything from you know ordering your pizza to picking your mortgage to buying insurance. Everything can be done online. It's just it's so seamless and it's just so fast. And it's uh, and I think there's almost correct me if I'm wrong. There's almost a bit of a security there in that you know what, like I'm I'm going to figure this out on my own. With their, of course, with 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 their help, mm-hmm. and uh, therefore I'm going to come to my own conclusion. Is, do you think that's part of the appeal to the to the online um, services industry like this? Certainly, people want to feel empowered. They, yeah. they, they want they, they want to feel like they're protected and someone's watching out for them, but they really want to be able to control the process. And an interesting thing that we discovered after we started was not only do they want to feel empowered, so they like the opportunity to do it themselves, but um, Canadians have a real fear of rejection. I'm sure everyone does, mm-hmm. but especially Canadians. And one of the <laughs> benefits of doing something online is no one is looking at you saying decline or no or can't happen. Right? You, you provide your inputs, you answer the questions appropriately, and your results are presented to you. Uh, whether they're positive or mm-hmm. negative, no one has to know, um, and you don't feel 
you know, as discouraged as you would if you walked into a bank, took time off work, or took your friend's time who's a mortgage broker and sat with him for an hour only to hear that he can't help you. It's funny, you know, it didn't occur to me at all, but the minute you started talking about it, I'm nodding my head here going, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Nope. That, and I can just, and I know a lot of people that would prefer to do it online and be anonymous about it and then, you know, and then if necessary, take it to the next level. But uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there, um, you know, you mentioned that you have, uh, I think, believe three other partners, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, three co-founders so, and an investor. Uh, so, so there's four, four in total then, or three in total? Uh, four total. Four yeah. total. Okay. So, um, without getting into any kind of details, but w- w- what's it like working with, you know, with having having co-founders? For our listeners out there, that may be considering uh, having partners or mm-hmm. going solo, because you've kind of you've seen both, right? Yeah. You've seen your mom's business. I assume she was on her own, and now you've got this other business now, Nesta, with the uh, with the um, uh, with four co-founders. So m- maybe just take us through a little bit of the differences uh, between the two. That's a really good question. So, um, you know, my only business partner I've had my entire life uh, was my mother, right? So that's a very unique business partnership that it's hard to relate to unless you've worked in a family business. And for everyone who's worked in a family business, I sympathize with you. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> so not easy. It's also a roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this work or personal, mom? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, we're, I'm very fortunate. You know, the, the, the way the co-founders were put together. Um, actually, I'll go back a step because this sure. is an interesting story. Yeah, yeah I want to hear it. So Nesto, before it was Nesto, uh, they knew what their idea was. They knew the opportunity they had in the market. They, they knew there was a market fit. And then they needed someone to validate their, 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 the idea. So they did a bunch of tests on mortgage brokers, um, anonymous tests. So all of a sudden, I'm getting a bunch of customers from Montreal asking me about mortgages and right over my head. And then I uh, get a phone call from a gentleman named Damien, Damien, my apologies. And um, he basically told me that those last customers I was speaking to were actually not real customers. He apologizes, but he really wants to come meet me. So he came to meet me, presented what Nesto was, told me what they had in mind, and they needed a, a mortgage broker partner to help them validate the idea in a real market test. So uh, my mother's firm and my, my firm, we, we took care of that test and the test was successful. And then um, he started talking about putting together co-founders. So he told me that I'm potentially one of them and the other two potential ones are these two gentlemen. And then when we came together, we met for uh, just you know a coffee, water and see how we liked each other mm-hmm. and uh, seemed to go well. And so the two oldest co-founders, they're... I think they're young 40s. They're both very successful yeah. entrepreneurs. They've had tech exits and whatnot there. They've been longtime friends since they were 18, 19. Hmm. Um, so they have a unique relationship compared to me and Damien, who right. just started, uh, just got to know each other recently. And uh, we are all so good at so many different things. There's no overlap. So Damien being one of the gentlemen who incubated this idea from the get-go, I don't think he was ever actually supposed to be a part of the idea once it came to life. But he has a passion for mortgages and he had a passion for this vision. And I think he was very satisfied with the team he put together. Okay. And uh, he's a great compliment to the team. I'm sure our investor wasn't too excited when that man <laughs> left his side and joined our side. But maybe he knows yeah. we're in better hands or good hands now. But yeah. no, we're very fortunate. We, we divided and conquered. You know, you, you're the best at this. You're the best at this. You're the best at this. It's the perfect compliment. So we got very fortunate there. Yeah. So this is, that's the key takeaway. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you have the same skill set as your other partners, chance, chances are, not guaranteed, but chances are there's going to be problems down the road because you're all going to be thinking you're an expert in, in, in the same thing, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have not experienced that, but that's what my fear would be. You yeah, know, if we had yeah, I could see that. Two mortgage brokers and two marketing guys. Yeah. You know, 
you know, asking for great phenomenal ideas to, to come out, but you're also yeah. asking for a little bit of conflict and competition that yeah, might not yeah. necessarily, yeah. necessarily be healthy. You, you mentioned marketing. Is there anything, uh, what are some of the unique marketing challenges you face with an online business like this? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, they're all great questions, but this one's a little thought provoking. So challenges with marketing being online, I would say it's so expensive to try something mm. uh, on the scale that we're trying to, 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 to work with. Um, that a mistake is not a $200 mistake. Yeah, um, right. They're much bigger mistakes than that. And uh, you can't just try something for a day and say it worked or didn't work. You've, you've got to do it over 30, 60, 90 days before you can say, okay, let's put that one to bed or let's mm-hmm. upgrade that one. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest challenge is, is you know, allocation of resources, um, having the patience to see, out, see the tests all the way through, yeah. and then having faith in uh, the people who are responsible for judging the results and, and tracking the data and making sure it's accurate and the integrity is there. So that major difficulty would probably be that. Yeah. But, you know, you think about the, you know, the, the old days with traditional marketing or advertising, boy, you typically had to try something for months. Yes. <clears throat> whether it was, you know, radio or outdoor. And listen, I'm not anti-radio, I'm not anti-outdoor. I'm just saying that in, in today's digital world now, at least we're able to measure these things more closely than we could more traditional mediums, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 20 years ago. So at least there's that. But you are, you raise a really good point that, I find too many people, at least, uh, you know, people that approach extension marketing that come to us, mm-hmm. uh, they want instant results, you know, for n- not everyone in fairness, but uh, especially some of the smaller businesses, mm-hmm. you know, and I appreciate they're on tight budgets, but you, you can't spend a hundred dollars and expect to generate 10,000. That's just not the yeah. reality of it. So like you said, it's got to be given a true, uh, a true trial period. And, and like you said, make sure that who's ever judging it is judging it accurately as to whether or not it worked or not. Yeah, no, certainly. There's nothing worse than saying a test worked or didn't work when your data sample is 100 clicks or something. Right, you know, you, right. you need significant volume to say this is a true good idea. Let's put more money into it or let's kill it. Yeah, makes sense. Um, any Is there any books or any podcasts or any YouTube Is there any that, that you are consistently reading or watching or learning from when it comes to being an entrepreneur? Maybe you could, uh, if there's anything there, you could pass along to our listeners? Yeah, um, I'm going to give you two perspectives. From an entrepreneurial perspective, uh, I'm sure everyone who comes on your show says this, but Gary Vee, yeah. um, whether it applies to my business or not, it's thought-provoking, yeah. and, and, and I enjoy the pace which which he speaks. <laughs> um, he does go to a good clip. Yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's entertaining. Yeah. It is entertaining, yeah. so, but I drive sure. between Montreal and Ottawa twice a week, and nice. that's when I get my dose of Gary Vee. Yeah, okay. Um, and then on the, the other perspective is I, I'm obsessed with mortgages. So mm. I follow the I Love Mortgage Brokering po- podcast. I follow the Be The Better Broker podcast. Um, anything mortgage related or real estate related, I am head over, I'm an underwater in. I, yeah, I can't yeah, get yeah. enough of it. Okay. Um, even if I didn't enjoy it, I'd probably do it anyways, just for the betterment of Nesto and making sure that we're always doing the best. Because, hmm. um, you know, it's not every day you find people like Gary Vee or these mortgage podcast owners who are so generous with their information, experience, and time that to not milk it for what it is, 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 yeah. is doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I agree. It, it's funny. I, I don't think there's, I think we've eliminated all the learning excuses from, you know, uh, from years ago that no matter how you learn, uh, and I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast, regular listeners are going to get uh, going to get tired of me saying this, but I really do believe it, that this is the best time to learn. Because if you're a visual person, you can watch things, uh, you know, um, uh, that are visual in nature. If you're a reader, you can read. If you yeah. just want a, an audio experience, you can do that. And there's really, there's so many niche podcasts as an example doesn't matter what your subject matter is, you'll be able to find something on it. You can learn guitar on podcasts you could, these days, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, can, you can learn anything. So there's yeah. kind of eliminate all, all those excuses. Um, was there anything, 
you know, when you were growing up, you mentioned uh, earlier about, you know, your, your mom's business and everything. Was there ever any doubt that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, did you ever have a thought of, you know what, hey, having seen this firsthand, I don't want to do that. I want to just go work in the government or whatever that, whatever that looked like for you? Or this was always in your blood and you just knew it? Uh, no, I don't think it was always in my blood. I grew up probably from the age of five till 16 or 17, wanted to be an architect. Oh, cool. Um, I maybe till 15, and then that's when I cut that out. And then um, <laughs> I always thought I wouldn't mind a government job because of all the hype and security around working for the government. But my, my dad was a workhorse, you know, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., which is not how my friends in the government describe their, their day-to-day life. <laughs> and, uh, so that you, you're being very off. polite here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that turned me off of being a, a public service employee there. But yeah. uh, no, I, I, I knew that. I always wanted to be able to, like, I, I love being generous. I love giving advice. I love working for free as well. So I knew I, that whatever I did, whether it was uh, uh, running a hockey camp, a hockey school, or um, teaching kids how to code on a computer, um, that kind of stuff, I always knew that um, it would be in some sort of advisory, helping, assisting, mm. giving fashion, whether it was an entrepreneurial avenue or a, a service provider avenue. Um, the entrepreneur stuff, I don't think it really ever kicked in until I actually started earning commission um, for, for the first time. And that's when I, I was like, okay, so I get my own paycheck and mm-hmm. the harder I work, the more paychecks I can bring in. Mm-hmm. That's when it really started to excite me. Um, that's selfish because that's the money going yeah, to, to, yeah. to my pocket there. Mm-hmm. But that's what motivated me to, to, to be better, work harder, learn more, and then open myself up to avenues I wasn't used to. Like one of the first things I, I, I did when I became a mortgage broker was... I read about how to get first on Google. Um, and back in 2010, that wasn't a popular thing to be reading about. Yeah. So here I am in the Glebe in my mortgage broker's office, um, and I'm getting phone calls from politicians in Parliament Hill about their mortgage. Uh, being 20 years old, getting phone calls from I can't say their names was a scary, <laughs> scary experience. Uh, but that's what helps me push myself to a, yeah. a new level there. Right, right. Is there, uh, we're, believe it or not, we're almost out of time already. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll keep going for a bit, though. Uh, this is really interesting uh, for me and hopefully for our listeners as well. But is there, uh, you've kind of been through two businesses now as, you know, as an entrepreneur. Um, is there one, two or three lessons that are, you know, that you would pass along to someone that may be listening that is considering, let's look at it from someone considering starting a business. Is there one or two or three go-to lessons? I'm sure there's a lot. What can I think of? I, this might be on step two of that starting a business sure. phase, but the, the first lesson I think is a really powerful one that I, I, I had to figure out myself was um, no matter how good you are at something or, or everything, you can't do everything. And to not have faith in the people you've chosen to do certain roles, to do them. Um, you know, For example, yes, this is his job, but he's not in until tomorrow. I can do it tonight and I can maybe even do it better is the wrong mentality. You need to trust the people that you chose. Um, you know, I like to use the word, you know, put them in the, the pool that they signed up to swim in and, and, and let them swim. Um, they're only going to get better through mistakes. That's the reality of it. You can teach people as much as you want, but it's mistakes that are truly going to mm. imprint the, the right process and the fear of that mistake again in their memory. So I would say have faith in the people around you. They're there for a reason. Um, you can't do everything yourself as much as you want to, especially when you've got this vision and you think that your vision is the right vision compared to the guy next to you who has the same amount of stake in the game as you do. But no, have faith is definitely is the thing that I did not uh, think I'd have to learn, but hmm. I, I had to learn that. Great advice. That's one. Yeah. Uh, 
So while well, you're thinking of the second one, yeah. so it reminds me of uh, before I started uh, this business five years ago, I used to work for a really well-known entrepreneur in Ottawa, a great guy, and he had this great line. It was advice that was given to him when he started out, and he started off in his 20s with his own business, and the advice was, you can do anything you want, you just can't do everything you want. That's good advice. And yeah, and it really, and, and it was his guiding principle for a lot of things. In other words, you know, everything, and you basically said the same thing, just in different words, that uh, many more words could I talk yeah. about. <laughs> no, no, but but you know that that's the kind of summation of, of what you said. Yeah. Is there uh, is there any others? And if there's not, no worries. I'm gonna go back to the the, the, the leap. Just take the yeah. leap. You know, you don't need to when starting your own business. You're not signing up for a marriage that's gonna last thirty years. You're you're gonna try it and you're gonna get your feet wet. Yeah. Uh, and you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it, and it's gonna work or it's not gonna work. Um, to not do it. All you're asking for is regret because you don't know what it was going to be like, whether it was going to work or not. But you take the leap, whether it works or doesn't work. I can't tell you how much you're going to learn. You know, that was one of the things when I, I, I my main mentors in my, my life are my father and my mother mm. um, separately and two different perspectives. And they both basically said, you know, if you, this sounds like your passion, this is what you've always been talking about, you know, online technology, seamless experience for customers, transparency. Um, I think if you don't, do this, uh, you're going to regret it, whether it works or not. And I can go back and look at it now, and I'm nearly certain it's going to work. We're having a great time. Everything is, everything is going dandy. But I think even if something terrible were to happen and it was all over tomorrow, um, I learned way more in the past yeah. you know, 12 months than four university degrees could have taught me with regards to life and business and relationships. Yeah. When I, when I was in my... Uh when I was in my mid twenties, but twenty six, twenty seven, I started a back then a graphic designer ad agency, mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't work out. Oh. <clears throat> and it was I lasted uh, we lasted just under a year, and and you know in the moment you're crushed, mm-hmm. right? Because, oh my god, you know what am I going to do? But you realize uh, it doesn't take that many years later to realize. Oh my, I learned so much in such a short period of time that, yeah. like you just said, uh, that's not worth. No offense, but it's just not worth three MBAs. Like it's just not. You can't buy it. You, you can't buy it to go through it and to, and to you know have to handle cash flow issues and to especially as a young person. So uh, I agree with you. I think that's great advice. That if you, you know any listeners out there, if you've got a dream, you, you should pursue it. And uh, you know what's the worst case scenario. You learn. You learn. Mm-hmm. And you pick yourself up and you do something else, like you said. Uh, either, uh, you know, another business you start or you go work for somebody, whatever it is. But uh, I'm a big believer that you, you don't have regrets for sure. Yeah. And if you do take that leap, make sure that you, you're very kind to your friends because you might need their couches. <laughs> when I first moved to Montreal, I relied on my Ottawa friends' couches when I came back and visited my family. Um, so be, be kind to your friends because you, you need the emotional nice. support. You need to feel human. That's for sure. Nice. So, Chase, where can our listeners find out more about Nesto? Uh, www.nesto.ca is our is our website. Um, there's so much information on there that uh, you need to sit with someone for a couple hours to learn about mortgages, uh, the, the, the mistakes people make, the, 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 the five hacks to get the best mortgage rate, how to prepare yourself for a mortgage renewal. Um, Nesto is basically taking a mortgage broker's brain and putting it in front of you without you having to knock on a mortgage broker's door. So nesto.ca, you'll learn way more than you ever thought you needed to know about mortgages. Nice. In a fun light, hopefully. Of course. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks.